Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. On this special and long-awaited episode, we'll be looking back at that famous week in 2013 where we played in the Challenge Cup final against Queen of the South and then faced Morton and a title decider at a sold-out for Hill. First up, here's Rhys Haldane to discuss his memories of the build-up to the Challenge Cup final. Pure, pure and utter excitement. I remember I was 13 at the time, and as a 13 year old, you, you remember the Ramsey Cup final. Is, it didn't matter if it was the Ramsey Cup final or the Champions League final, it was the same thing to me. I was was so buzzing for it. I remember like, even back to the semi final, I think it was Cowden Beef we beat that day in the semis. And just knowing we'd qualified for a final, it's something that I'd always wanted to see Partick Fissel get to a, a cup final. And as I said, doesn't matter if it's the Rams Cup final, Scottish Cup final, I just wanted to see your team there. As soon as we qualified for it, I was counting down the days up to the final. It was such a big build-up. I remember hearing of all the ticket sales and the bus bookings. I think the Jordan Hill bus ran about five, six, seven buses that day. It was, it was incredible and never seen, seen the like since. So it was just so much excitement and nerves, of course, as well. But at the end of the day, it was, it was just a, a really... It was a special moment, and I know a lot of people look down on the Ramses Cup and the Challenge Cup in general, and but I, I don't think any Fissel fan would say that day wasn't the, the build-up, and the time before the game wasn't a, a special day. James Cragen would become synonymous with the Morton game later in the week, but here he is discussing the mood in the camp and the build-up to the Cup final. I think, you know, looking back, and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, I think that season everyone was just buzzing leading up to every game because we were obviously in such good form. And it was just another game and everyone wanted, you just wanted to go out there and just keep doing what we were doing, which was playing kind of like free-flowing attacking football. So, yeah, so leading up to the cup final, I think it was just like another game for us. We knew it was going to be, the fans were going to be coming out in the, in the force at um, Livingston's ground and it was going to be close to a sellout. For me, for my personal opinion, I wasn't really probably focusing on the Morton game until till very much afterwards, really. We wanted to go and win that match. We were, all, we were a group of kind of like, young lads who were put together from various different kind of like levels, backgrounds, and we just wanted to kind of like uh, go and win a bit of silverware for our, probably our, our first season and almost, you know, at, at that level. Now here's Queen of the South goalkeeper that day, Lee Robinson, as he discusses Queen's preparations going into the game. Oh, well, we had a season, Matt, where we didn't really have any negatives to it. I think, I think we'd already won the, the league by then and we'd had, we'd had a season where there was nothing. It was just everything was on the open. It was for personally as well for me. It was a it was a great season. So everyone was really confident, especially uh, winning the league first. And then obviously Partick were challenging Morton. I remember in the the top of the championship, even though we were the league below, it was the best two teams outside the SPL at the time. Queen of the South fan and friend of the show Andrew Smith now recounts his feelings going into the final. Yeah, I guess it was. Try to think if I was confident. I don't think I was confident because, as you say, you guys were riding high, a league above us. But obviously, we'd had a hugely successful season. We already had the league tied up. We'd had some strong results in the other cups. We put Hibs out of the League Cup that season. Obviously, we won at Ibrox on the the roads to the final as well in the in the Challenge Cup. We certainly went in with a bit of confidence that we weren't going to be soundly beaten and that there was a chance that we were. We were going to win it. I thought we just thought Partick were a really good side. That was a, that was a really good Partick team. 
I was checking the team last night from the game, and obviously there's still a few there that were there then. But now at the time they were they were excellent, and they'd been winning quite a lot. So it was it was even. But like personally for me, I always had that belief where like if I was ready for it, if I played how I could do, I would have a big influence on it. But of course, it could work either way. You feel like if you're not at it and you don't play how you can, then it felt like oh the players were going to have to have to get you out of trouble or have to play so well. So I always had that belief where if I if I went into it, did how I could, I could have a big impact on the on the result. Well, you certainly did do that in the end. David Forrest plots our path to the final, where we would eventually face Queen of the South. Our journey to the cup final started on the 20th of July 2012 with a derby win over Clyde. Doolan getting the only goal of the game. Played at Recreation Park, actually, in Allah, as opposed to Broadwood. Then... The Cup at the time was sponsored by Ramsden's, uh, the pawnbrokers, gold merchants. And amazingly, um, the second round draw was actually conducted at a Ramsden's in the Ford Shopping Centre. And what a draw they picked out for us there. The now mythical 5-4 game against Queen's Park at Hamden. The Sinclair, Elliot, Erskine scoring twice and Bannigan also getting the score sheet. 4-3 down in the 89th minute and we come back to win 5-4 in regulation time. We then moved on a couple of weeks later to play Rafe Rovers at home and won 3-0 with Erskine scoring twice and Stephen Craig getting one as well. Before the 14th of October at Central Park to take on Cowden Beef, a team we'll be very familiar with in this campaign with multiple postponed and rearranged games including another mythical game this season, the Fog Game. Um, but we beat County Beef 1-0 at Central Park, one of our many visits to Central Park that year, Stephen Craig getting on the score sheet again as we made it to the final. One of the quirks of the Challenge Cup, though, obviously, is that it's it's kind of structured around the international season and breaks in the domestic season. So it was actually six months between the semi-final and the final. As I said, this, the semi-final was on the 14th of October 2012. The, the final was the 7th of April 2013, so it was a, pretty much half a year in between the semi-final and the final uh, for the Ramsons Cup. To put context into how long the gap between the semi-final and the final was, it was 175 days. But by contrast, in the COVID season, between the last game on the 10th of March and the friendly against BSC Glasgow was 193 days. So there's literally 18 days difference between the time we did not play football at all during COVID and the gap between the semi-final and the final. Next up, a man who would play a key role in the final, Aaron Muirhead, as he recalls the build-up to the game. Every game, when it kind of gets to the business end of the season, the games are kind of all big games and, like you said, we're young and I don't know if it was maybe a wee bit of naivety on our part, but we just kind of treat every game exactly the same and I felt, obviously, we... You knew it was a big week in terms of you had the cup final in the Morton game. And I think we maybe, did we play Wraith Rovers midweek as well? Like before the... Uh, yeah, was that, was that the, yeah, was that midweek? And actually we could have been, we got a draw, did we? And we actually could have lost that quite easily. There I think I got it. sent off. Did you? <laughs> did you? I got two bookings that day, I... <laughs> remember Sod with a bad back pass. I remember that one, yeah, I remember that I, one. Uh, Aye, so if I if I can remember right, I think that was the case, and it mean kind of meant that you didn't get much time. It wasn't like it was a whole week of build up before the the cup final. It was like you were a game, and then obviously you'd be off the Wednesday. And it was just two days training, 
into the cup final. Like I say, you didn't get much kind of time to think about it, and they were all big games at that stage in the season. With two huge games in a few days, what did Jags fans think was the priority? Um, they were both massive. Um, you, you probably would say the Morton game was always the bigger game. But it would, it would have just been so nice for us to have won that cup, and and I, f- I feel like the the full attention was on that. We weren't resting players in anticipation of the the game during the week. I think fo- full focus was on the cup game, but in the back of the minds, that you got to think that everyone knew that the Morton one was the one that was going to see us over the line. That was the the almost the final nail in the Morton coffin, so to speak. So, if, if realistically looking back, and I think every Thistle fan would agree, if you had to pick one game to win. Hands down, everyone would have said the Morton game. But they were both equally as important in the build-up and it would have been great to have won both. But I can't have your cake and eat it. The club ran an armada of buses to Livingston for the final. But no matter which one you got on, there was a unique experience waiting for you on board. My dad and I got the supporters bus. I think the club put on a lot of buses just so keen to have as many fans as possible there. And it's one of the most memorable moments I've had uh, as a Thistle fan I, I, I think it's just a kind of such a, a great party Thistle story but we're on the bus we arrived at the ground and I don't know why but there was like some kind of problem with us getting off so one of the guys on the bus started making a joke about well only people um they started rating people's shoes and like the the like out of 10 and like depending on what number you got for shoe of your shoes that is how that is when you could get off the bus and I really let the side down that day, I, you know, as a, a mid-twenties female. Uh, and I was maybe, you know, in my kind of late teens at that point, I was an Uggs loyalist. And, I, you know, I had like the kind of, you know, like that walk-in step that people kind of got because you wore your Uggs so much that you kind of walked funny and they were stained, etc. But they just were, you know, I mean, it was just slippers outside, wasn't it? But anyway, so I really let my dad down because the guy kind of took one look at, at my Uggs and was like well they're a solid two out of ten so we were the, like we were the last off the bus so that kind of like started the day of this kind of like but I've never noticed people's shoes so much in the football before and I've never seen this guy again but I always like sometimes think to myself when like you know choosing the shoes to go to the football I'm like hmm would I still be a two out of ten so yeah so that's something for everyone to think about. I was gonna say we've got quite obviously quite a small target audience for this podcast so Maybe the shoe rater or somebody knows who knows the shoe rater is listening, but then I thought maybe he's just a phantom shoe rater who thought, I, I'll, I'll never have to go back to a Thistle game. This is a cup final. But if you are the shoe rater, if you know the shoe rater, I get in touch. <laughs> love to hear the, the system. Yeah, what because some like I'm sure someone with low fruit has got a 7 out of 10. And <laughs> I would potentially argue, I mean, Uggs are, I look back now and I'm like, what was I thinking? But Uggs and loafers. I mean, worlds apart, but still, to me, in that kind of two out of ten bracket. It's, it's good to know that you've, you've sort of let that one go um, <laughs> in ten years, so that's good to know. Um, in the build-up to that game, I remember it so vividly. I remember, as I say, I was I was only 13, but I just remember the morning of the game, I was so nervous. Like I remember so vividly like eating my breakfast, like watching the TV, the build-up. I was checking my phone constantly and... I remember getting down to the bus and we stopped at Whitburn Social Club. The John Hill bus stopped at Whitburn and it was like John Lambie's local and John Lambie came in, got a photo with John Lambie, done a wee, he done a wee like pre-match speech and got us all G'd up. The, the songs were in full flow and it was just, it was brilliant. The game itself produced many memories, although not a lot of them came in regulation time. 
I was right in line with the penalty spot from of that end. I was just on the corner at Levy's ground. But it was it was mental. Seeing seeing what was it like seven like, I think the attendance was like nine thousand, nine and a half thousand that day. There must have been like six and a half, seven thousand Thistle fans and, and obviously a great queen in the south turnout as well, but it was it was just brilliant to see that much red and yellow and see the stadium sold out at a Thistle game and we'd see the same again in just about three days' time. But it was probably the first time I'd seen a stadium packed full of Jags fans. It was it was mental and still thinking back to it, it was there was some occasion. I remember there was like Tot, like Thistle and Tottenham banners in the crowd and everything. Just like there was so many fans that had just congregated for that game. I'm sure there would, would have been a lot of neutrals as well as as you would imagine. It was a it was a brilliant game. It was such an exciting time as a Thistle fan. You just can especially with the but obviously it was with the Alan Archibald uh, situation so fresh. People had no I you know no idea and it gen- like I mean I hadn't been at a game like that like since I was younger and more we've like told about the games that we've been at like that was my first kind of like big game that I really remember as an, as a kind of adult Thistle fan. And we were kind of like midway in between, but like it was bouncing. It was such a good atmosphere. Like if you watch the highlights back, it was a really feisty game and. We were playing such good football that year. You'll laugh at this one. One of my biggest memories for that game, two biggest memories is, is seeing Stevie Lawler swap out a new pair of night tempos, but the 3G, <laughs> the 3G version, version which, which went, they had the little studs on, which went, he went flying in the first 10 minutes about three times. Do you remember that, era? Yeah, mate. The, the golden ice skates. Yeah, the, the ice skates went flying. And then my second memory was, we, had, we we dominated quite early on with a few corners, and I was on the corners. And I just remember, I never beat the first man for the first three corners in the row. That's the. I remember. That, I just remember it vaguely. I could think the, the the fans were buzzing every time we got a corner, but obviously the ball wasn't even reaching the box. I don't think so. Then then my two kind of like opening memories from the game. I don't think it was a particularly great game, if I'm being honest. Looking back on it, and obviously everyone just remembers kind of like the. The extra time. 90 minutes itself, I can't say I can remember an awful lot about the initial 90 minutes. I was trying to trying to read, try and jog my memory a little bit on the, the initial game. I think after about 20 minutes of any Partick Fistle game, you kind of know which way the game's going to go. And on that occasion, it's one of the ones that we could have played for 120 minutes and no put the ball in the back of the net, and that turned out to be the case. On the, on the, in the 90 minutes, it was quite a quiet game, and uh, there wasn't much action, was there? But for me, I, I think I had the last-minute save from Doolan. I think that was in the 90th minute. And like I think I've spoke to people, it's like one-on-ones were the, was a bad part of my game, and it sort of was a one-on-one, and probably my best save I've made from a one-on-one ever in a game. But in that, and then obviously an extra time, it was a bit mad on it. I think I got booked an extra time, which obviously I don't want when I go when you go into a penalty shootout. But also you had a bit of the penalty. Yeah, not a huge amount stuck out from the initial ninety minutes, but extra time. It all went a bit nuts then, didn't it? <laughs> it did. It <laughs> Ultimately, I had to wait until the 120 plus second minute and couldn't have done it in any better fashion. And then, yeah, you guys get awarded that penalty. What was it? The 
two minutes from the end of extra time. First of all, it was never a penalty. The foul was about three yards outside the box. Um, so <laughs> we were feeling a bit hard done by on that. Jordan Kaharsh, Gagliagiri, Shep, Sadiq, Elliot, Dekhaya, Brampelis, Devantik, Fussell, Yousey, Ski, or Matt Fitzpatrick, Christy Elliot, it's Loiga, Gunnavala, Agus, Letav, and Eskalier, Rakel, and Conor McPartick, Fussell, Talagud. Well, Hanik Shaw, Rosti, Brainy, Adam Muirhead then misses the penalty, and Chris Higgins gets right in his face. To be honest, I think Higgins fully deserved the headbutt, but, um, <laughs> Um, amusing to see him sent off. I think there's been quite a bit of back and forth between some elements of our support and, and Aaron Muirhead. So him to kind of lose the head a bit went down quite well with our support, I think. Well, Aaron Muirhead, he goes in Brett Penish's show. Lee Robinson, Havel, Brett Penish, the guy Brooks and I, Rangers. As a Nachbars in the striker of the season, the guy should go Brett Penish. Irrational Heineken, Muirhead Lechenard. Robinson in a hamelig. Wow, what a ruse. It's a ball that's going to be fair, so it's behind the tall. A kill to shoot the Muirhead in the shack. And it's like that. A strange focus. I guess he's not going to show anything. I can't tell him anything to show. Aaron Muirhead, the man that's in the red fennis. Aaron Muirhead, I can't hear you. I'm in the numbers. Aaron Muirhead. I, I, I never saw him. Was it Aaron Sinclair? Uh, you never knew what you, what actually happened. They've seen him as the penalty, and he's come flying in after you to defend it. He's not realised what <laughs> you know. Obviously, head, head put in the guy has he? And he's right. like wondering at the end of the game, I can't believe you've been sent off for that. And he's not, he's not realised what's happened. Yeah, uh, you never realised. I mean, yeah. sure, I mean, one of them. I think it was Aaron uh, ended up with his shirt ripped and all that because he came flying in. Yeah, from yeah. him and Christy were in there. I think yeah. you were maybe hiding in about the halfway line or nah, something. I think yeah. I was straight in there, actually, <laughs> to be fair. As you know, I'm always in the mix of it. Like. Uh, um, but nah, I remember as well when obviously you've got you've gone uh, you've got sent it off as well. You know, unlike Aaron, I couldn't I couldn't kind of like <laughs> I couldn't save you, mate. I thought you had to go to be honest. I think it was, <laughs> was a red. I remember if the if the Aaron Muirhead obviously Muirhead had such a good reputation of penalties. That it was one of those things where when you when we got a penalty, you thought, oh, like brilliant, that's us, like that's us going, like that's us got a goal. And the fact that you you know, and then the and the headbutt, I mean, you look back at it now, and it's and it it's just, I think at the time you didn't really understand what it just went wild. It was just so it, it was so manic and crazy. Yeah, I was down that end of the stand as well. So yeah, remember that the fans getting on the pitch quite clearly. Um, but yeah, it was an absolute sort of sucker punch. To you've obviously had the penalty, thought, oh, we've got through that. They've not, they've not scored from the penalty. It must be ours now. And then two minutes later, you manage to equalise and and take it to to penalties. Even after the whole the Muirhead bravado, I, I remember now if you watch. If I watch back the highlights of that game when when Elliot goes down in the box and we get the penalty, I'm right on the corner. There's a wee sort of passageway down to the concourse, and I, there's a stairs right there, and you can see me like jump down about like six rows of stairs, jump right down to the bottom, celebrating this penalty, only for it to get missed. And you're like, ah, it's one of the days. My memories of being in the changing room where I can remember walking in and there was uh, because it was obviously such a close game and they never knew which way it was going to go. There was champagne. They must have put champagne in both dressing rooms. <laughs> and obviously, we're 1-0 down and I've missed the penalty. I can just remember going in and seeing the champagne. I'm sure I've booted the champagne. And then um, 
One of the what, lad, well, like Errol, sorry, sorry to interrupt you there. You had, I think that was the only penalty. You took a fair few penalties that season, as well, didn't you? Uh, you were a penalty taker. My... Yeah, that's the only one you missed because you were, you either kind of like you, you mixed it up quite well, didn't you? Uh, season, you put a few down the middle, and then you obviously opened up on a few, didn't you? Aye, uh, mate, I did. Aye. Uh... And then the, the Messiah, the, the King of Kings, Chris Dillon, pops up with that late equaliser and just carnage. Fans in the pitch, brilliant. I love watching that back to this day. It's just, you couldn't have wrote a bit of script for a cup final. But as soon as we were all in the park over at the other end, giving it the, the big I am, I just knew for a fact we weren't winning that. And then once we scored the kind of like equaliser, I remember as well, like, obviously we're all celebrating from the fans, it's just mayhem. And there was like, there was loads of like English like fans in the away end, and I thought I knew I had a few mates up. I didn't think it was that many. <laughs> and what, was, was it not something like like Tottenham fans were there or something? Oh, have I made that up? Was it not a big contingent of away fans there? And because you also have the advertising board, and that came crashing down, and everyone's kind of like uh-huh. on top of you. you. You think you've won it by that? You think you've won it, but actually you've only equalised to take it to pens. And then losing the goal so late in the game, it was just it was so hard to take. So after that, you just think it was like a mad last ten minutes or whatever. And then when we went into penalties, would have thought like obviously party go on the up because basically the game was lost for them. And then scoring so late, it would, it would have been a massive boost going into penalties. I was just looking at our, our run to the final, and the first round we beat Dumbarton in 90 minutes, but all the other three ties went to uh, extra time or penalties, obviously penalties against Rangers, um, and we beat Morton and our both both in extra time as well. So I guess in that run we had a lot of experience of the games going all the way, and having had that penalty shootout uh, victory at Ibrox, there was still the confidence that we could see it through in the penalty shootout, but the cliche is it's a lottery, isn't it? I can remember sitting in the changing room and I heard a cheer and I was like, hey, that'll be full time then and I was just kind of waiting for everyone to come in. And it was actually the lad, Willie Gibson, that he was at Queen of South at the time. He came in and was like, how are you, mate? And, that. and I was like, gutted, whatever kind of thing. And he's like, oh, you've just equalised, by the way. And I was like, shut up, no, we've not. And he's like, you have? And then I can remember trying to get back out to like watch a penalty shootout, and I wasn't allowed to watch a penalty shootout. So I had to just sit, and then you were just sitting here in the cheers, and you didn't know if it was like how the game was going. It's quite a strange one for me. <laughs> Stephen O'Donnell. Is that a harmony at ease, Lily Robinson? 
But it's weird because yeah, like um, normally the goalkeepers there's no pressure on them. But during that season, I think we'd won two and I'd saved loads of penalties in games. It was something like 50% penalties that I saved. That was after being previous years for me. I was so bad on penalties. I just always used to go the wrong way. Somebody pointed something out small to us. And then that season, it felt as I think it was something like half of the penalties that I'd saved. So the, I felt like, oh, God, people are going to be expecting, which puts more pressure on me. And obviously going at the penalties, you always like to have a yellow card to play with. So you can, because um, it is, it's a, it's a massive test of mentality and you've got to do as much as you can. And uh, I'm not that type of guy, I'm not like a, but it's just the fact that, especially for the previous years, I, I was so bad at penalties. I just thought I had success with them. First of all, because somebody pointed something small out, but also because I used to delay it a little bit and try to make them take as long as possible. And so I think I felt a bit of pressure going into them, to be honest. Jan Carmichael. A groeitje doel. A groeitje klaar. Session in a halberling. The Scott Fox. Good job. Alan, can I ask, who, who didn't let you come out and watch the penalties? Because I'd imagine like the referees are, are dead busy at that time, so arranging uh, things. It was, it was like Stuart. Like, right. They weren't letting me out. and I'm sure Michelle Evans was there, and she was like, oh, you better just listen to them. You've done enough, do they? You better just listen to them. I was like, aye, ah, right. And then I remember her saying to me, like if we'd won the penalty shootout, that I wouldn't have been allowed in the pitch or something. I was like, I need bother up on the pitch, but <laughs> never came to that. Did, I, I'm not gonna lie, I was a little bit worried because, like, when you've got a yellow card, you know you've got that warning. But without it, I've never seen it done before. But you just never know. They're like, he could be, he could play to the fans. The fans, what the Party Thistle fans obviously giving us a bit of stick and a lot of the times the I think I got booked for time wasting um, or I don't know if it was shouting at the ref or time wasting but it was because the fans had been massively getting on the ref's back because I'd been time wasting or whatever so I think he's just looking for a reason to give us a yellow it's always good to have the yellow the yellow card to play with there's a fine line of course it's nice to have that uh, so you can do a little bit and then he can warn you and it's usually you get that you do a little bit and you get a warning then you get a yellow, and obviously you don't usually get a red in a, in a penalty shootout. When it was my first ever game when I was about seven or eight years old, it was like, my, I saved a penalty. I don't think I saved it, actually. I think people give us credit for it, hit the bar. But anyway, I was crap throughout my career. We played a tournament for when I was Rangers under when I was Rangers reserves in Marseille, and we won 13-12. And I went the wrong way every penalty. The only reason that they missed was that we won was because they hit the post. So I, I but I never ever did anything about it. I just I just thought penalties no chance. But then somebody pointed something out about their approach or walking away from the ball. I try to keep this information now for our young goalies that we work with. But um, somebody pointed something out, and then all of a sudden. It changed and um, it was right. So I can't really say now because I don't, I don't want as many people to know. I just try to keep that information for hours. Sean Welsh. The nagging you goes up. I'm holding you, Sean. Trying to save you, but the ball is leaving. Caracking. 
Lee Robinson had a lot of antics um, <laughs> when he was uh, our goalkeeper, and I guess that's, the support grew to love him for it a little bit. I clearly remember him um, in the same season. We had a game up at Arbroath, and I don't know how we got away with not conceding a penalty because as a corner came in, he just grabbed their striker and threw him into the back of the net. So yeah, there was a lot of antics from him that year. Robinson's antics would see him draw heckles from Thistle fans any time he faced the Jags in future. But how did he feel about being the target for that stick? First of all, I totally get it because it's like I would hate if somebody was doing that. But it was, um, like you say, it was it was a massive thing. And if I was if I was a great lad and just stood on the line and waited and didn't say anything, didn't give them the ball, and they knocked five past us and they won, I'd, like the the fans wouldn't be saying, "Oh, he was a nice goalkeeper." They wouldn't care. They'd just say, "Right, we've won the cup." So it was funny because um, the day before the game, I remember my dad telling us. Don't mess about on penalties. Don't mess about. You'll get sent off. You'll do this. And I was like, I never. I have to. almost sort of had a little bit of about it because I just, I just felt quite strongly about it that I have to do everything I can to win the game. So it's like it was funny. We had that conversation. I always remember it on the Saturday and then on the Sunday of the game. But of course, I remember. And then I had a beaut. I always used to get it, um, but I don't mind. It's. I think I always say. It, when you get it from your home fans, it's horrendous. But when it's away fans and you know the reason behind it, it's not as it's not as bad. So, but no, I was like, I enjoy. I always enjoy playing Partick Thistle, um, home and away. It was it was good. Like Firls, a great atmosphere, and it's one of the best, better supported clubs outside the top league as well. The massive club. So I think I I, I always enjoyed it. And of course, if you're losing three 0 or whatever, and the fans are abusing you, like oh yeah, it's it's horrible. But like I said, it's. It's a lot worse when it comes from your own fans. So I was, um, nah, it's, it's like water off the duck's back, really. <laughs> did you get any stick off of players in, in any future games who are playing against you, or did you did you give them any stick? No, no, no. That, I wouldn't be giving any stick. I'm not. I wouldn't be the one like, oh, we won, the, we beat you here or whatever. So it was, um, no, nah, I didn't. Like I said, I enjoyed playing against Partick. All the lads were, were absolutely fine. So it was, no, it was, it was, it was absolutely fine, really. Aaron Sinclair. Friega. The Queen of the South. Again, Unison. Oh, the ball after Harville Robinson in Asia. And a Sinclair in a hood. It was, it was amazing because that season, I think we beat Rangers at Ibrox from a penalty shootout and I saved a couple. And then I think we won, I don't know if we won the semis on a penalty shootout. And then we also, oh, in games, I saved quite a few in games. So it's like, that's why it was a massive change for me from not being able to save one to feeling pressure because the fans expected you to save them and get them out of trouble. That's my biggest regret, really. That I never took a penalty. I was number six. Uh, I was about. I was about to uh, bring that point up. I I was devastated missing the penalty. There was a a few uh, a few chickens out of hitting one. (laughs) Jai definitely springs to mind. Christy to be fair, I was I was six and Conrad took five. There's no way Conrad should have been ahead of me. No. Chris Doolan. The hook coming up in tennis chain. We should hold like it's the chicken the year. The green of Arab. The Haskell and the 
I was at the Drygate event with Aaron a few weeks ago, and, and Conrad does blame you. I think there were there were seven penalties that we took Conrad with seven, so I don't know how, how you've ended up that far down the list. Oh, was it? There was a seven? Aye, yep. you were eight, mate, so you're <laughs> well, who, who, who took them then? Who took them? Uh, O'Donnell missed, and then Erskine, Welsh, Taylor Sinclair, Forbes, Dolan scored, and then Conrad's missed. Mm, to be fair, Sinclair, I'd probably only say Dolan's were never really... Oh, Sword, Dool's, mate. Sword, yeah. But Dolan's never been really a, much of a penalty taker, I've never thought, either. No, you can't say that, you'd be gaffing him anyway. You can't say anything about that. <laughs> no, but you're going to have a striker. At least you're, you'd think you're attack-minded. Yeah, but I've got it. And think he was actually all right at penalties, wasn't he? Uh, uh, but yeah, I've got to be taken with him at combat. Yeah, you made a shocker. Yeah, but <laughs> he, that was, was, he was caning you at that dry gate thing, mate. Was he? Oh, slaughtering you, man. He was like, oh, I actually blame James Craig for the defeat. <laughs> <laughs> mate, he's reversed it, keep his height, keep his height. <laughs> I don't know, mate. Because he had those daft boots on, didn't he? Those, those daft, what they were. What, what they things. Yeah, that he always used to love. <laughs> <laughs> Conrad Malajordi. This is not her. The plastic fizzle. Look at the Regian heading for him. Robinson in a harmony. Queen of the South in a halfback of all of him. The one thing that I always remember clear as day from that game, I remember leaving it, walking out the stadium, and a guy comes out the toilet in the fist wind, comes out and goes, Oh, did we win? <laughs> just remember thinking, aye, that explains the mass exodus, mate. But aye, just a crazy game and some some mental things that you could only imagine would happen in a party Fistle Cup final. But it wasn't to be that day. But I don't think any Fistle fan would say now it wasn't a, a really good day out. It was just obviously coming off the season before that we had the surrender season. So like to get that and rebuild and then to do it like to do what we did, it was it wasn't it was absolutely brilliant. I just, I, I was there. I think the year after they got the cup final against Rangers in 2008-2009 and uh, that was a brilliant thing but this one was just full of good footballers and played the right way and it wasn't like we played by just launching the ball up we played some really good football and it was, it, was a, it, was, it was a great season so yeah, I think the cup final was a massive part of it Yeah, I mean I think it's, it's overall um, the fact that we went through that season it was record breaking in terms of the number of points we put on the board and I think the number of goals we scored as well. We had great performance against our Premier League opposition in the other Cups. As I said, we beat Hebs. Um, I think we did pretty well against Dundee United in the League Cup, but lost. And then we lost a tight one against Kilmarnock as well after having a a man sent off early on. Um, So yeah, they're held in really high regard. It is one of my favourite seasons I've had supporting Queen's. I mean, Clark scored so many goals, but there's so many contenders of Riley, Dernan, um, Carmichael, all these guys that, that put in great performances for a number of years. The league, we should have won the league because we're a full-time team in a league with, I think there was, I don't think there was another full-time team in it. So like our test was going to be the Cups and we had some good results against teams in the Scottish Cup and then obviously in the Challenge Cup against Rangers and then playing against Party Thistle, probably the best team outside the SPL that time. So it was, it was, um, that was our test, and that was, a, it was like a great day. And I think it's, as it's put us down as one of the one of the best teams. But I don't usually think about all that. I just think about how I played, and and of course, like winning the game. But of course, if you look back, it'll um, it would go down as a really really good side. And it came off the back of a sort of 
catastrophic year the year before under Gus McPherson when we'd been relegated and we're just miles off it. So I, I think it was unexpected as much as, as anything for us to bounce back in that style that we were able to. And it kind of set the platform for performances in the championship as it became in the, the years following that because we'd kind of, sort of managed to gather together quite a, a strong group of young players um, who were together for a few years. So yeah, a lot a lot of fond memories from that year and, and sort of what followed. It's funny because you look back at that final and yes, we lost it, but see when Chris Doolin scored, you know, the celebration and everything, you kind of, like, your brain plays great mind tricks with you and you just remember that and you don't remember, like, when, like, the penalty was saved, etc. I think it was at Conrad Tony. And that's funny because I actually looked back and I, I'd, like, posted, like, an Instagram picture of, like, of all the, of the Thistle, of the Thistle players kind of, with their arms around each other. And even after the game, I think I posted something like, you know, like, the league is ours or something like that. And it was strange because normally after a cup final, I feel and you're the losing team, you're not happy. And it's not that we were happy, but I think that there was this kind of like belief that, yes, that was gutting that we lost that, but that the league was the main focus and and all was not lost. With the cup lost in dramatic fashion, Thistle had to pick themselves up in preparation for the visit of Morton to Furhill in a match with the league title on the line. Yeah, obviously disappointed you just lost the cup final. I think the message was was from Archie was, look, we've got a huge game Thursday. I think it was. I think it actually was one of our worst performances of the season. Yeah. I don't think we've actually like gone there, battered them, and we've got been been beaten, been been done by penalties. I think all the lads thought, well, we were pretty rubbish there. To be fair, we never really got going, did we? So I think from from a, like a defeat in in any time of the season, you just want to play. Like Aaron will say that if you get beat on a Saturday, you hope that you open as a Tuesday night game or a Wednesday night game, aren't you? Just get bounced back on it. Uh, and luckily, there was a probably a even bigger game later on in the week. Disappointed, but you know, once we got back in, it was just had that self belief again that we were gonna gonna win the, on the, against Morton. I'm sure. Um, who was it? That, it was Banzo reminded me of this the other day uh, before the Drygate thing that. He came in and he says, "Look, don't worry about missing the penalty. Everybody misses penalties." And he says, eh, "Obviously, the sending off was a bit daft, but I would probably have done the same thing if they were in my face." <laughs> and it was just more like the sending off. It was a heat of the moment thing, and it was more the fact that I was going to be missing the running. That was more a disappointment for me. And then you're losing out on bonuses and things like that. So that was a disappointment for me. But I think for the rest of the squad. The fact that we had that big game made it a lot easier to put that the, the cup final behind us because at the end at the end of the day the beginning of the season the objective was to go and win the league the cup final yeah it would have been a good added bonus but I think the objective was definitely go and win the league so it was quite easy for the the group of lads to put it behind us and just get focused right on that Morton game and I think Jay will probably agree yeah definitely because that I remember like you know when we used to train at the complex didn't we which obviously yeah. party cars at Fir Hill and then uh, go down to the complex I think all was there it was, you, everyone when we walked down everyone was still like so look if they you know we're probably needing that at the last eight games if they that if we win these amount and you know you're working out kind of like points yeah. and aren't you and that was always the focus wasn't it just the league going you know even going to training coming back from training or if they slip, slip up there and, or we've got to play them still so 
very much the cup final just kind of took care of itself really and then the, the main thing like like I always said there was the was the league now here's James Cregan to talk about the league campaign up to that point pre-season games went by you know we, have, we had a few great results in pre-season where I think we were pretty unbeaten there and then obviously the league the cup at that stage starts first uh, and then the league and then we just got on this fantastic run and you know being signed I couldn't get in the team I was nowhere near the team really because I think the lads won the first 10 out of 12 games and quite rightly so that the manager stuck the faith with me stuck the faith in uh, those players but no, it was great to be around training was fun it was you know it was not over complicated it was a lot of kind of like uh, keep ball possession and then small sided games and all to a standard where you know people were competing all the time and no, I thoroughly enjoyed you know when I first joined and that, that group of players. The thing that we played on the Saturday, that's what we were doing all through the week. We were playing like that, the, some of the one-touch stuff, the movement, the the intensity and stuff like that. That was going through the week. So, you know, obviously you as fans get to go and watch that on a Saturday, but that's something that was just the normal, really. And to actually, you know, execute that on a match day was fantastic. So, uh, And also we had a bit of grit as well. We had we knew that we could, yeah, I think we went through a bad slump around Christmas time there when results went ahead, but... Yeah, we had players in there that could, you know, say, actually, no, let's just tighten, tighten things up and, and be solid as well. So we had some good characters there. We had a bit of everything. And we were all, you know, I've done various things over the years and spoken about that team, but we all had players there who want, who, who needed to and wanted to prove a point. They'd either been let go, told they're not good enough, or they were just forging away in their career. And mm-hmm. Jackie had a great blend and his recruitment was so good that there wasn't fantastic, no one was on big contracts and stuff like that. And everyone knew that they had to go and put on a show to forge a career at football. And, and that's what we did. If the build-up to the Challenge Cup final was big, the Morton game ramped up the nerves even more. I wasn't exactly brimming with confidence, but I knew I knew we were a brilliant team. Am I right in saying that Andy Dowie played this game, or he came in for this game? I'm not too sure. I might, I might be wrong, but I remember having a lot of nerves around him slotting in. I think Dowser coming in was probably a blessing for us in terms of the calibre of player that we got from Dunfermline, if I remember right, because they went in the admin, was John McMillan and Dowser, is that right? Mm. He was a very experienced player and I feel he had a big part to play in the running. I'm sure he scored in the Falkirk game as well. Yeah, um, so, He obviously tried, but I don't think he was looking to me, a young lad, for any tips on how to get through the game. But no, it was good that we had a very able a replacement there to come in and I think he was excellent on the night and in the running but the build up for this game the nerves were, were a different level and even thinking back to it now like I can remember the Ramses Cup final game a lot clearer there wasn't as much pressure on but this Morton game there was there was expectation almost that expected us to to get over the line but as you say we hadn't beaten Morton that season and Morton were a good team they had the experience about them I remember thinking earlier in the season, I think they was it 2-1 to beat us at um, for Hill on Boxing Day. It uh, was, yeah. And, and even the two each game at Capital, I remember all these games so clearly. Like Every one of them, I hated Morton that season. I hate Morton still to this day. And I'm no shy to admit it, but I, they, just, they, had a, they were a real thorn on our side that season and they, they basically ran us to the wire up until this point and it could have went either way. After a bright start to the season, the shock departure of Jackie McNamara saw player Alan Archibald take over as manager. Back in 2020, Glasgow Times' James Kearney spoke to Archie, who gave us his thoughts on the transition. My biggest memory of that game was we were shitting ourselves because we'd lost the Challenge Cup on the Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the hardest. It was, it was a Sunday, actually, so that was the biggest thing. I mean, that's one of my regrets. It was in Pelly's, wasn't it? That was in Pelly's. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. Aye, and we probably didn't prepare for it as best. I mean, I was only just in the job and we're in the cup final, so we probably didn't prepare for it. I thought our preparation could have been better um, in terms of a lot of young guys playing their first finals. I mean, there's a couple of them that probably played their worst games that day because I think it was too much for them. Mm. Um, they, they just had to be used to it. Yeah. It was a big crowd as well, but they showed great desire to go and win the, the, the Tuesday night game against Morton. It was a quick turnaround. I always remember going down the walk on the pitch the next day, had a cool down session. And speaking about the lads and speaking to them, these boys were like, oh, you can't play arm, you're headed, lost the plot and stuff like that, and you can't do this. But they served us so well, um, and the crowd that night was brilliant. It was one of the best nights for the had in a long, long, long time, I think. If you asked any fan that, I mean, it was, it was incredible. I'd been, I'd signed in the summer, the boys had done really well um, under, kind of like Jackie, I think they were, you know, were top of the league, and quite rightly, he was keeping the same team. And then maybe I was coming off the bench, and it'd been quite a big jump up from me from, you know, university football to the top of the championship and a few boys coming on loan and that pushed me into the stand. So I only really got in the team kind of like, obviously, I, I know I got a first start in the Jackie's last game, which I think was end of, you know, start of February, end of Jan time. And then I was only probably in, in, in the team for like three or four weeks, maybe in between the cup, well, probably a bit longer than that, actually, fairly recently. So I thought, you know, one defeat, you know, the likelihood is these lads have been doing it all, all, see, all season for the last kind of like 10 nine, ten months, and I thought I could be a one that could easily be taken out, and I know that Ross Forbes had come on and made an impact as well in the cup final, setting up the goal for Dool. so, you know, I, I it was actually my birthday on the, the day before um, the Morton game, and I was actually, mum and dad were up, and they, they were up, at, they'd come up and booked somewhere to stay, so they could do the cup final, and then they could they took in the game, it was actually, weirdly, it was in the, like, the, the trust looks near Calendar. Is that the near Calendar? Which it, it was actually only an hour away from Fur Hill. So I remember my dad saying to me, "Oh, do you think you'll start?" And I'm like, "I'm hoping so. I'm hoping I'm going to be hope going to be playing." And you know, thankfully, I was playing. And uh, and obviously, I know we're going to speak about it, but the uh, you know, it was a good job that we were. Otherwise, we would never would have gone up. Would we? <laughs> <laughs> Morton fan Scott Barber gives us an insight into the Morton team from that season. When we finished eighteen year four and obviously four. Christ, we need to make changes. And we only stayed up due to a poor air team, essentially, who finished ninth. And he went a wee bit mad, so like he kept a hold of a couple of players, managed to keep Archie Campbell, kept Peter Weatherson, who could have went, just seems to be involved in Morton for an absolute age. You'd obviously be coming to the South before that. And this is running about the time where occasionally he would end up playing as a defender more often as a striker, uh, which is odd because he's like the third highest scorer in the club system. He might actually be the highest scorer in the club system. The only other players we really got to keep a hold of was uh, Tidzer, who was our vice captain that season. David O'Brien played a whole bunch of uh, games as well. He, he'd been there. And Thomas Aware, obviously, in the Thistle, and would go on to become Morton captain. Uh, he broke through the year before, but he managed another 10 uh, games. We nearly lost uh, Fred Bakaru, who was obviously a big draw. Like, we had a guy that used to play for PSG, cutting about a cap. It was all very odd and quite exciting. And then halfway through that season, we was talked that if they don't get promoted, maybe we'll just move on to St Murn, all that sort of stuff, you know. There's a whole bunch of rebuilding that went on. The build-up to this season just got tied up to Hibs, Willie Dyer to Rafe Rovers, Martin Hardy for Dunfermline. Derek Gaston, it used to be Albion Rovers, that's now a growth unless he's moved on again. Craig Reed for Queen of the South. And Mark McLaughlin we got from Hamilton, right? So he's a green up man, he'd support a lot of noise days. And 
they agreed to pretty much make him captain if he moved. We had made a whole bunch of changes because we, we had to, but you're sort of thinking, particularly a Morton fan, finished eighth of season four, not expecting much. For Morton fans, the first half of the 12-13 season had defied all expectations. We lose to Falkirk quite early on in the season, right? And as a, as a Morton fan, you're sticking to yourself. Same as usual, we'll take it as long as we don't need to have as much fear about potentially being relegated, we'll be quite sort of happy. And uh, that, That's generally uh, the expectations at Capo, as long as we're definitely still a, a second-tier club, that, that's roughly your level, and it's like we've succumbed to that. Like, we've not played in the top flight since the year I was born and stuff. But they then, very on Morton, they went on a five-match uh, five win and run, uh, which caught everybody to be surprised. <laughs> then drew the next two, so unbeaten in seven. Right? You're keeping into proper run. Your hope uh, builds up a wee bit there. And then just at that, we lost to Hamilton at home. And then all the way up to the end of that, uh, first half of the season till we, we entered 2013, we'd only actually drew one other game. So the first half of the season we were uncharacteristically pretty good at flopping the top of the table. And just as we got there, we get beat 3-0 at home for Dumbarton, right? So that, that's quite Morton-esque as well. Like, right, what, what were you thinking? Right? And I think the stuff that starts to cost us as well, as soon as we had one bad result, normally we'd fall it up we were underperforming the next game a wee bit of, like, Uncertainty keeps in, so like cowed and beef, we get a draw against them immediately after getting come to our Dumbarton, and then it looked like everything was back to normal. But you would think, well, you've built up, you've won four in the bounds, party couldn't beat you, Let, let's kick on to there, could beat half Hamilton again in March. Uh, so that busts their bubble a wee bit. But there was wee signs that we could fling it away at any point. So, like, Turriff in the Cup, we are. St Mum fans took great time and going, how can you use no beat the aim? If you are apparently getting promoted, it's all that about blah blah blah. Uh, it took a week way to beat them. So there was always wee signs that we were not perfect. But we were good at that level that season when we would have taken eighth at the start of the season. It, it, it came for absolutely not. Forhill was the hottest ticket in town as 8,857 packed into the stadium to watch the big game. I mean, I think the kickoff got delayed 15 minutes. There was fans trudging from the, the Jackie husband into the north stand and it was absolutely wild. I remember there being so many neutrals there as well, as, as you would expect. Um, so we were actually on the on the pitch already and we're warming up. I think we were doing the shooting before the game. And someone said, I'll just stay out a bit longer because it's the there's so many fans trying to get in that it's going to be pushed back to like 15 minutes. Um, so you're thinking, oh, packed the hill. We've not seen this all, all, all season, really. We had good attendances, but... Compared to that night, it was it was mental. Just fantastic atmosphere. Seeing all these fans, just you think, well, the first thing that comes to your mind is where have they all came from? You know, because you think we could maybe use it for all every other week, but still great to see them. Great to see them all there, party hats on and everything, and the old ground was jumping, absolutely jumping, and then having to delay the kickoff to get the fans for the Jackie husband and the what's the John Abbey stand there walking along the, the touchline but I hadn't been to enough games to realise that we did not always get attendances that size but uh, it was just amazing to see that many people in Far Hills I think 8,800 or something like that but it was a brilliant attendance I've never seen it beaten since 
we ended up in hospitality that night, and I, I remember just how bizarre it was that folk were sort of walking across the pitch, getting squeezed into the North Stand whereabouts where you sitting that night. It was such a bizarre scene from the the back of the jo- uh, the Jackie husband. Yeah, so for for years, um, up until probably I was about eighteen, I even remember like all the the boys that I go and sit at the games with. I would always still sit in the the Jackie husband, and I, I'd say I'd sat maybe. 10, 15 rows up from the front, right on the halfway line. So it was a pretty good seat. And I just, I always sat there and it was a brilliant view. And I just remember taking it all in. I always got in relatively early and I still tend to do so to this day, getting quite early and just was soaking all the atmosphere in. And you're there that early that the kickoff's getting delayed. And yes, the Morton fans, they took a brilliant crowd as well that night. So fair play to them. I actually remember getting the, the 60 bus to that game. And there was Morton fans on the bus and there was. It was, I think so you get a couple of Rangers and Celtic fans who are just like old guys making passing comments and they were saying, can he believe this game is not entirely tonight? It's, it's, it's an absolute disgrace. This game should be free for everybody to watch that. It was just the way that the, the John Lambie that night was unreal. And I think the only night to maybe rival that was just this Friday in the sense of atmosphere and togetherness. I remember it was generally sardines. You couldn't really breathe. Like you basically became best friends with the person next to you because you were like with it, like that you were in their bubble. You were in their space. Sitting in the stands after two red cards in the last week was Aaron Muirhead. I can't actually remember where I was. I was, I'm sure because we used to always sit in the, in the old stand, but yeah, I can't remember if we were in there or if I had to maybe go around the other side. I'm sh- I think well, I had to go around uh, the other side. Oh, it was fantastic. So my um my deputy head teacher at school was a Morton fan. Um and so we had a lot of, you know, banter throughout uh, throughout the year. He'd even like mention an assembly. He'd be like, Oh, like, you know, like and like you know, like announcing like things that were happening around the school and then be like, Oh, and um Morton are are still top of the championship kind of thing. And it was absolutely brilliant kind of watching him have to like swallow his words as 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 time went on. James Keone now discusses his state of mind going into that big Morton game. I, that that game though, like also that was the big one. That was the absolutely massive one, and that that was the one where I really thought that I I was I was terrified going into that game. I remember being I, you know, I think it's because like cause we've got this thing as Thistle fans, don't we? Where it's ingrained in us that yeah, you know, it's never going to go right. We'll go close and then we'll fuck up because that's generally what we do. I mean, you know, the Challenge Cup final a few days previously is the perfect example of that, where it was just. I think if I had to describe Partick Thistle Football Club in one game and then just like, this is what it's like, you'd show them that game, you know. So, yeah, the Martin game was, was I, I, I genuinely think it was probably the most important game Thistle have had in a, a, a long time, to be honest, just because it, it set up, obviously, everything that was to come afterwards. And it was the real sort of, it's a real sort of culmination, I guess, of just years of disappointment. Of it, it, it felt really, what's the word? Like it really felt like it was a huge release that day because I was worried that I wasn't going to see Partick this in the Premier League as it was at the time. Like I, I was worried I wasn't going to see them there again for a long time because, despite the work that Jackie and then obviously Archie had done at the club. I just, I, I, I think because we've taken such a huge step back, basically ever since Lambie left before that, we didn't, you know, we'd never really proven ourselves to be a Premiership team from that point onwards, in my opinion. 
so to to regain that to regain that standing within football to regain that our places you know we're one of maybe probably about half a dozen clubs that would say that you know we're normally sort of bottom half premiership top half championship and that's our sort of natural place but to get, to regain that sense of no we are the premiership club you know sort of you know, back in the big time blah 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 thing but it, it really that whole upward trajectory was where I really really felt like properly fell in love with Thistle again because it was my first experience of supporting a winning team like obviously as Thistle fans you don't get that very often so when it does come along it's really quite special to you I think yeah I think it you know it was a tense a tense game but you know all night really especially leading up to the goal and and just in terms of the goal I think the ball um is played down the left I think a couple maybe a one two between um Aaron uh, and uh, Squiddy and then Squiddy I think I think plays a ball across I actually still this day, I don't think it was for me. Uh, I think he was actually behind everyone and then I think Tamil Ware leaves it and possibly shouldn't. And I'm thinking, just get your head over the ball, hit the target. It's coming coming bobbling at that stage. The pitch wasn't great at Firhill towards the end of the season. Uh, and I think he just hit the target. Whatever you do, don't sky it. Remember the goal so vividly. Obviously, Taylor Sinclair puts it in. Tamil wears in no man's land, and James Craigan's at the back post to tap it in. And it was just a joyous occasion. Here we go! Here we go! And you know, lucky enough, I've got good contact on it and hit it with my left. It's gone away from the keeper, and then it was just delirious for 10, 15 seconds. I think. Any football will tell you when you that that moment when you score, even if it's a tap in or a penalty, you just go crazy. And especially kind of like that 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 night with what was riding on the game, um, yeah, it was a special special feeling. And obviously, all the players that had kind of like been there, they know that know that I've obviously been out of the team as well, and knew it meant a lot to me. I think I scored my first professional goal maybe a couple of weeks earlier against Livingston when we beat them six one. So. Uh, to get even just to get another professional goal was a big thing. Never mind on on that occasion. Back in the early days of Draw Loser Draw, episode five saw us catch up with former Thistle ball boy Cammy Gray, who had the best seat in the house that night. I was normally like one of the older ball boys, and um, like I think I was the second oldest, but I'd been doing it for years at this point. Uh, so I was always tasked with like sitting in front of the away fans. But at that at that point, obviously we were winning, and you would just start like winding people up. Like, just if they're, like, they're shouting abusive players, he just shouts them back. Just, like, as you would normally do in a stand, but with me being obviously so young, but so close to them, there's some abuse that you would get taken, like, which I don't know, uh, like, how much I can repeat on here. But, uh, you know, it was, it was, like, looking back and it was some laugh, but it was quite scary at times being like a a 12 year old, and there's like 40 year old guys sitting just screaming at you. And, like, that Morton game in in April was the big one. Uh, Right before we scored, somebody actually launched a pie at me. Like right at the back of my head, so it hit me, and I was oh, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just like focusing on the game. And then Craigan obviously scores, and then I run round because I was sitting right at that corner. And I run round, and James Craigan, like he's coming through, and he's, he's shouting like right at me like that. Photo that's in the behind the the shed, like as you're coming in for the toilet. Like if you look at that, like if you actually zoom that photo out. They've zoomed past like my head because I'm I run right for them. You can watch in the highlights, but I actually I didn't even think about like celebrating with the players. Just like my best mate was sitting behind the goal, so I just wanted to get straight to him. So like the biggest moment I regret is 
like not celebrating that goal with James Cregan. I celebrated half but I pushed him away so I could go and celebrate with my mate. And then immediately walk walking back to Morton fans in complete like despair and then launching that pie straight back at him. And then getting absolutely rocked after the game for doing that <laughs> because like every the amount of times you'd get told that like, oh, you can't like you can't speak to the fans or anything like you can't wind them up because like it could it's a pure health and safety issue. Like what happens if they like take it the wrong way and then they come in like try and do it or is it I'm a living, I'm not gonna try that. But then there's times where you you look back and you realise like why like why do I not just listen and just sit there and do my job? But it it makes it better, I think, for like the fans. Well obviously will go down as one of my best moments and biggest moments in my career so far and probably to probably will will be. Uh but to see Fir Hill and you know, Morton brought a lot of fans as well, packed and it was just raw passion and emotion, even like we were hanging on for the last ten minutes, it was it was something special which is still hard to be replicated. Yeah, just uh, that night was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I yeah. hadn't been a Fessel fan for too long at that point, but yeah. was, I, I remember it very well. It was such a good night. Uh, and then the rest of the game, I felt it was just, they were probably the better side and we were just sitting in really, the backs against the wall and it was just relief when the final whistle went. Just sheer, sheer relief that we'd got the three points. I think we were, I don't know, I, I know you're going to tell me, Matthew, about the points here, but I think we we, we were maybe starting to pull away after, after that, that win. The rest of the game was nail-biting stuff. I don't remember much else happening in that game, bar the goal. But when that full-time whistle went, just sheer jubilation. I, I, I couldn't believe it. And I felt at that moment, right, that's us. We're actually, I'm actually going to see Partick Thistle in the top flight. And it was it was mental. It was just incredible. So even thinking back to it just now, it puts a smile on my face. And what a team we had. So much talent, so much ability. Such a young side. And... Was, that was only the beginning of things. The the five six years that lay ahead were just outstanding, and what a time to be a Partick Thistle fan. That oh, that was it was such a it was such an incredible in such an incredible day. And I mean, I'm a, the biggest James Cregan fan in the world. And that when that goal went in, I think I I, I think I generally was like, does life get any better than this? There's been moments in my life where I've been extremely nervous, and I think. That one tops all of them. That was just, I, I think any time Morton got the ball, you know, because it was a very touchy aim. We weren't in we weren't in control of it by any means. I wish we did what we did on Friday, but um, it was so, so nervy. But I think the minute, like that, when that final whistle went, I think it was, you know, euphoria. I think I genuinely think I had tears in my eyes. I've had tears in my eyes very few times at football. I think I had, you know, Livingston when we went down and then, and then that moment. We were five points clear uh, after the Morton win with a game in hand. We were two ahead before the Morton game kicked off, so it was an important win. So I'll, yeah. I'll ask you, Aaron, after that game, we obviously had a big game at Airdrie at the, week, at the following weekend that we, we won with two late goals, but after the Morton game, how much was the feeling in the dressing room that it, it was ours to lose at that point? What was the feeling like afterwards? Yeah, I think the feeling was probably like throughout the whole not the whole scene, but t- towards maybe the final quarter, Coming into the fight, it was we always kind of knew that it was up to us. Really, it was in our hands. We had to kind of focus. Folk always speak about, "Oh, do you look at other results?" And I, of course, you do. But we always knew that it was in our hands in terms of if we went and got the results. Then, especially after that game, and then going to Airdrie, who I'm sure we had kind of battered seven uh, 0 at one game, and you're thinking, 
you're confident going into that game and then it doesn't unfold that way. Maybe overconfident and then I can remember watching that. I was sitting in like a kind of hospitality box. I'm not sure who it was, but maybe boys that were injured or whatever. And you're watching it and we're 1-0 down and then the scenes there were <laughs> incredible as well. It was kind of a, a strange end to the season for me in terms of obviously I sitting watching on. I think I managed to play, come back for it. It was like five games or something I missed. But I managed to come back for the Dumbarton game. But uh, the scenes that day were, and for Christie as well, everyone was buzzing. I think Christie was quite a big character in the changing room. Uh, he kind of had a, so I'm sure he went on loan to, was it Albion Rovers? Or yeah, we both went on loan. I remember we yeah. played, in January, we played each other. It was Albion Rovers versus Forfa. And we were obviously on the periphery of the squad. So the two kind of like goals were spread out to the two lads who kind of like came back after you boys have done so well, you know, for the first six months. So it was quite weird how that worked out, wasn't it? Ah, exactly. And I think, but in terms of, you were obviously on loan, but it was to part, so you were still in training and still a yeah. big... Yeah, we were. Like, a big part of the squad in terms of, like we've kind of spoke about before, that how close-knit the squad was, because we we're all similar ages. We kind of, I think that was why we were so successful, because everyone was kind of, none of us were on big money, but we were all kind of on similar wages. I think that just kind of helped in terms of everyone was pulling in the same direction and it was that one goal was to go and win the league and for Jai obviously pop up with his big goal and then Christy with a big goal. The two of them obviously probably the two worst finishers that were at the club at the time. <laughs> um, so it was, we were probably all as shocked as the fans were. <laughs> James taking score and scored the only goal in the game, to be fair. And, and, and it was good that he scored the goal in terms of... Because every player in that squad played an integral part. So they did. They all, they all gave something. Um, and James was always in the periphery. Because at the time we had Stevie Lawless, Ross Forbes and Chris Ayerskin, yeah. Chris Dillon, guys like that. So James played a part, as well as the guys like Chris Dillon and stuff like that. So it was good that he got the goal. And, and I don't think there was any way we were going to lose after that. Things just go for you. We went to Airdrie, I think, the Saturday after that. And we scored Chris Dillon scores in the last minute. Just how confident were Jags fans after the Morton game? I thought that probably would do it. I can't even, I'd be lying if I could rhyme off the how many points clear we were at that point, but I thought at that moment we were going to do it. So my dad is one of the most positive Thistle fans in the world, but we're we're definitely kind of, we're definitely like the kind of token managers of the world. Like we're going to like, oh, you know, just take one game at a time. And I think also with, I, so I think, maybe I was a bit of a, of a David, like 66%. Like it fe- definitely felt more, it, it was the most likely it'd ever been, but you just never, you never can be sure with Thistle. And I think that's like something that you, you know, you grow up with, you know, in your mind with. Like, you're like, even if, you know, you're like, I don't know, 20 points ahead, you're like, well, something could happen, you know. <laughs> so I think definitely, I think I thought at that point, it's our, it, you know, it's in our hands. The following weeks would see Thistle mathematically confirm the title with memorable trips to Airdrie and Falkirk. But I remember in the next couple of games, we were picking up results and Morton were dropping points. Remember, they, they lost a, a couple of games and you're thinking, right, we're doing it. And it wasn't until away to Airdrie, obviously 1-0 down, and we scored those two late goals to end up relegating Airdrie. And I'm sure Morton lost that day. That's when I knew. I was like, right, we're winning this league. But with with classic with classic party Fissel, you, you never really know to the fat lady sings, as they say. It's never done until it's done. Even that day at Falkirk, you, you just had to... It might have been weird, only did a point, but we had to go and get something that day anyway. Even then, I was nervous till the very end until we can put that ball in the net and everyone's doing the conga and at that point, it was amazing, amazing times. One of my highlights, although I wasn't playing, would be that Falkirk game. I mean, 
watching on and then the celebrations after yeah. it was just yeah and i'm sure archie said to us right i'll see thursday or something and we just it was just a big party i mean <laughs> but things like and i can remember vividly archie saying look enjoy this because the yeah uh, like this don't come around very often uh so make sure you just kind of soak it in and at the time we were young and everyone was thinking ah we've just won the league this is a doddle kind of thing it's and it, it's not till you look back and it's 10 years ago that it happened and days I'm like not, i'm not winning anything since i don't know if you're there but i'm not no i'm not hopefully we can win promotion this year mind you yeah but i no nothing since so the celebrations were just brilliant i'm yeah. sure was it me you and conrad went to star and gartler yeah yeah that was brilliant that's because i got i think i got injured for the last so there was, there was another two games to go after the falkirk game there was there was, uh, the, there was Dumbarton, games, then Dunfermline at home, wasn't it? Yeah, Dumbarton, then Dunfermline. So I, I'm big Glenn, big Daft Glenn Daniels done me in training, remember him? Oh, uh, aye. Yeah, he, he done me with, <laughs> done me with, my, with my knee. Uh, so I was out for the last two games. But like Aero said, I think it was that boys put together, A, they got on, so obviously no one knew each other, and then put together, had a good time in pre-season. Then you have that cup competition with Everton. And then it was start to believe thinking, by the way, we're actually not bad here as a team. And we're actually like doing exactly what we're doing in training, which is, you know, stroking the ball around nicely, creating loads of chances. And it gets quite enjoyable then, doesn't it? You start, start thinking, hang on a minute, we're actually like half decent. And then the, the confidence just builded, didn't it? I mean, although, you know, I wasn't really playing, I could, I was still enjoying it and being around the, the boys and, uh, and stuff like that for the first half of the season until I managed to get an opportunity to then stay, stay in the team. But yeah, I know what you mean, Aero. It was it was that kind of like surreal moment when you thought actually bringing lads together and then thinking, no, we've got a chance here. Uh, obviously, at the time, you don't realise how big achievement is that. It's probably because you know Partick have been you know they've been relegated a couple of times and they've won and, and you've not managed to get back up there yet. That um, people are still talking about it. I'm sure the boys go on and win it uh, and you know get promoted this season, whether that's through winning the league or through the playoffs, they'll be talking about that and I'll probably get pushed to one side, which you know. Which will be great, and I hope, hope they can hope they can go on and do it. But it's, yeah, it's probably just naturally because we haven't, you know, they've not got back up to the, the Premier League yet. But no, it, it's obviously very nice to be be spoken about in such high regards from the fans. Back to James Kearney on the significance of the Morton game and the season as a whole to him as a Thistle fan. I think I think the thing with that season and then the, the subsequent two or three as well was that yeah yeah obviously it gave you that sense of yeah, what Thistle could. Because before that, I'd only known misery as a Thistle fan, you know. Um, obviously, you had the Lambie taking us up leagues, but then after that, you know, relegated, relegated um, you know, ended up down in League One, or, you know, and then going away to games. That, like, I remember going away to games like Morton that season, and I think we drew one all. But I just think that, you know, for so long, I was just assumed that, you know, Thistle was just kind of. My, my whole experience of sporting Thistle was just mediocrity, to be honest. It was, you know, we didn't really make much of a dent in the Cups. We didn't really make much of an impression in the league. And that season, the 12-13 the season, that was the one where it showed that actually, no, we can, this is what it can be. Like, you know, we can play this entertaining, attractive football. We can, you know, have a largely young squad that's really exciting and then, but most importantly, that we can be successful because I hadn't really seen that before. And you think if you looked at upper clubs around Scotland at the moment, you look at some club like I don't say Martin, and I don't like sticking the boot in just for the sake of it. But you think you know, they've been in what sort of Championship, League One, 
oh, it's what, 20 odd years, something like that. It's been a long time. So you look at a club like that where it's like, you don't really do anything, do you? I mean, you occasionally get relegated to the third tier, you know, come bounce back up again, but that's about the extent of it, the odd promotion challenge, and that's it. And I think that that's the good thing about this, where it's like, yeah, okay, it's, I mean, the the swing from like a, what a bad season can be and what a good season can be is dramatic. You know, it's incredibly dramatic. I mean, you, get, you get real highs as a Thistle fan, but you get real lows too. But I love that about it. I love the fact that, you know, when, when, when we're low, we are low. But then when it's good, it can be great. And I think it's a, that's, I mean, that's one of my favourite things about being a Thistle fan is that you do get to experience that full you know, breadth of emotion, which at other clubs you don't always do. And I know that probably sounds really dismissive. I really hope it doesn't come across that way. I don't want to sound like that. Because obviously, if you support your team, you support your team, and they're the most important thing, and that's fine. Doesn't matter. It's junior football, or, you know, Champions League. That you know, they're a team, okay. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased that I do support a team that is interesting. Where you know there are, you know, every season it's a battle against relegation or going for promotion, or you know, we very rarely just sort of you know fart around the middle of the table and don't really do much. You know, it's always interesting, which is fun and nerve wracking and. You know, it can torment you at times, but that's the beauty of football, isn't it? James Craig and Aaron Muirhead reminisce on the running and the title celebrations afterwards. Stargar was good, uh-huh. wasn't it? Stargar was, was good. And then there was one, I remember, we had, a, we had a mad couple of days, didn't we? So where was the official kind of like celebration one with the club? Jumping Jacks, but we were Jumping there. Jacks, yeah. Uh-huh. So, jumping, so I, we ended up going there, Jumping Jacks. And then me and a couple of lads had like an all... A few beers the next day, I should say, probably more than that. <laughs> I ended up down in Newcastle that night somehow, and then we were flying to Magaluf with the team from Presswick the day after, wasn't it? So it was like Aye. it was a full, and that was that was obviously a, a good laugh, wasn't it? Um, oh, Magaluf, brilliant! Yeah, and I remember I just done my like my knee, so I'm in a leg brace in Magaluf, and Scott McKenzie sort of puts me in a bin or something like that. I mean, that, was, that, was <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. I think in terms of obviously we spoke about how close everyone was. You went to Magaluf, and sometimes. These things, like maybe ten or twelve boys show up, but it was everybody went. I think maybe one Pates. I'm sure Pates was injured yeah. as well, so he couldn't come, and maybe Steph Craig. So yeah. only two boys that never came. But uh, I, Magaluf, just for me because I was suspended, I was just kind of it was like party mode, really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then I did the Dunfermline game when we. That was when we got the trophy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. And we're out after. Uh, there was so many. I think, the, in terms of the fact that we had done it early, it was there was just so many celebrations. Then you had the PFA award. I'm sure, yeah. Squiddy got robbed of the player of the year, didn't he? Yeah, probably, I think so. Yeah, because he was on, on flames that year, wasn't he? I think as well when we were young, as well as our first year. Obviously now, and you went up, uh, where you still got a good time, but there's a bit more kind of like responsibility within life uh, a bit more with kids and stuff like that so when you win it at that age as well you can you can you can give it a right good go can't you uh, exactly none of like not many of the boys had like some families and kids at the time so it was just yeah it would just be a text from one boy saying right we, yeah. where are we going today and that was you were, living, you were living with christy i was living with comrade yeah. welsh you were living with one of his mates you know it was like aaron was living on his own so i mean everyone could you just drop a hat, you could go and do something, couldn't you? Ah, that was it. Uh, it was it was brilliant, man. And then the starting the scenes in the starting garter, I really enjoyed them. Yeah. It was just yeah. that was kinda of an off the cuff. That wasn't planned. Someone said, Oh, you should come down. And I'm sure uh, 
Jai was insistent because he was like, oh, we'll get three pints, so he wanted to save some money. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, let's go there, and it was just... Yeah, that was, that was class, wasn't it? That, they're, the, they're the thing that's like, I know at the time people were like, oh, you know, you know probably we Stevie as well, you know, crap banter most of the time. Oh, you're not going to enjoy it there, you know, uh, in the in the pub with them. But those are the things for me, it's like being a football fan and like going to watch Preston when I was younger and stuff like going into like the pub with my dad before the game, stuff like that, like to get players to come in, I would have loved that. Do you know what I mean? So be, to, be, to, be, to be able to do that as well with obviously yourself there and Conrad, it was a good feeling, wasn't it? It was brilliant. Oh, it's brilliant, aye. Yeah. To end, here's Rissal Dane giving his final thoughts on the Morton game. And what was to come for both teams? It wasn't a great game, but it was a great result. And you can imagine so many people wanting to watch it. Two teams going right to the wire. And thankfully, we were the, the, the side that prevailed and went on to have a lot better success in that time period. I think Morton ended up getting relegated the next year. I mean, they got beat 10-2 off Hamilton. And they had a, a bad time of things after that. And that was only a, a sign of the, the trajectory of both clubs. I mean, Morton were a, an aging side and we were a side that were in the ascendancy. A lot of young players would who still have a, a really good career to this day, so I think it, the, the better team the better team prevailed. This special episode of Draw, Lose or Draw was co-written by David Forrest and Matt Greer, edited by David Forrest and narrated by Matt Greer, with contributions in alphabetical order from Alan Archibald, Scott Barber, Ian Bateman, James Kearney, James Cregan, David Forrest, Cammy Gray, Matt Greer, Bruce Haldane, Heather Holloway, Jamie McDonald, Alan Muirhead, Lee Robinson and Andrew Smith. Thanks to Brian Welsh, Partick Thistle Football Club and James Kearney for their assistance with this podcast. We hope you enjoyed it.